0: I'd like to turn our attention, if you will, with me, amen, to the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Just one short verse. It's great to see all the wonderful faces this morning. Amen. No better place to be on Sunday morning than the house amen. of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 51 and verse number 12. It says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Amen. I want to just preach for a few moments this morning. Amen. This is going to be another hot summer day out there, so. We've got good air conditioning here, so there's no rush. Maybe we'll preach till 2 p.m. or just take our time. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want to preach on the joy and the beauty of salvation. The joy and the beauty of salvation. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us here this morning and to help us this morning. God, we come before you one more time. We prayed a lot this morning, God. We prayed over and over again, God. We're praying one more time. God, we're praying one more time, God, that you would talk to us, that you would move in this place. We're asking you, Lord, to shine your light upon our lives this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for everything. And God, we're going to give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Psalms chapter number 51 is written, amen, as a uh, prayer that the psalmist David had. Uh, The psalmist David had a rich history of living for God. He had a rich uh, history uh, of the things that God had done in his life. We know from studying the scriptures that the psalmist David grew up uh, tending to the sheep in the field, worshiping the Lord on his heart writing songs, just a beautiful individual, had a heart after God, a heart uh, to please God. Uh, He had that uh, posture of worship and praise on his lips. Uh, God used David to kill a lion, to kill a bear that was threatening the sheep. David was an individual that that had power with God that God had used to defend the sheep. Um, God used the psalmist David Uh, At one particular juncture in his life to face off with the giant that was named Goliath of Gath. And God used David to kill that giant that was threatening and that was oppressing the people of God. God used David to do mighty things to reunite the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And God used him over and over again. But David uh, eventually found himself in a place of sin where he fell into adultery with Bathsheba, his neighbor's wife. And the Bible says that after a period of time, uh, he thought that perhaps he was getting away with his sin. He thought that he could get away with it because he was king. And the Bible tells us that a prophet came before David in uh, in that place where he was the palace. The prophet Nathan came before David and began to tell him a story about how that one individual had taken, uh, had stolen some some sheep from somebody that didn't have a whole lot when he himself had a whole lot of flock he could have used, and this individual took advantage of his neighbor that didn't have a whole lot, in, when instead he could have used his own resources, and I'm just giving you the the flyover uh, version of that story, but. Uh, the Bible says that David became wroth and David began to say to the prophet Nathan that this individual should die. He should not be taken advantage of his neighbor, his neighbor's property, his neighbor's resources. This individual should be put to death. And the Bible says that uh, th- through the scriptures that Nathan the prophet declares to David, thou art the man. And the word of conviction, the word of uh, condemnation of sin begins to come into David's life. And David is faced with uh, the sin Staring him in the face, if you will, David is hearing the words of the prophet Nathan say, thou art the man. You're the one that has sinned. You're the one that has taken from your neighbor when you had all the resources in the kingdom. But yet you chose to steal your neighbor's wife and then you chose to take it a step further and murder her husband that you might conceal the sin of your life. And David uh, was faced with the sin in his life and David begins to pray this prayer in Psalms chapter 51, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of saying God, I recognize that I have sinned I recognize my faults, I recognize the things uh, the the places wherein I where in which I st- I have stumbled and I have fallen short of the glory of God and, and David is realizing that unless God intervenes in his life, just like David, condemned that man and said that man should surely die. David realized that there was a death sentence upon his own life. And so David begins to reach out to God and says, God, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. and Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge... I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Amen. Unless David had God show him some mercy, unless David allowed God to intervene in his life, David knew that he was going to be faced with death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. And I still believe that wholeheartedly. Amen. And and David began to realize, uh, God, I've got to get back I've got to get back the joy of the salvation wherein which first you saved my soul. Amen. I've got to get back to the joy of being saved. God, I've wandered along this road of life and I've wandered off the path of salvation. And God, I'm asking you to restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And I want to tell you today that there is a joy and there is a beauty and furthermore, there is a glory of salvation that we can experience here today. Amen. It is a joyful thing to know that, amen, uh, when God forgives me of my sins and God washes away all of my transgressions and, and all of my iniquities, and I come before Him, I come before Him transparent. I come before him naked, if you will. And I say, God, here is my life. God, would you save me? God, would you deliver me? Amen. I still remember, amen, the first time I came. Amen. I went to the altar and I began to pray and I began to say, God, I need you to save me. God, I'm, I'm growing up in a, in a pastor's house. I'm growing up living for God. and, and I've grown up in a church culture. I've grown up Uh, with my parents teaching me about the things of God. But God, I've got to have salvation for myself. I've got to have God intervene in my life. And God save me. And each one of us must come to that juncture where we reach out to God and say, God, unless you save me, I'm going to be lost and I'm going to face an untimely death. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Literally, one translator writes, it was, it was the joy of thy salvation that needed to return. Uh, the, the literal translation of restoring to me the joy of thy salvation has caused the joy of thy salvation to, retur- to return to my life. Let it be returned to my life. Uh, amen. There's still a beauty. There's still a wonder. Amen. There's still something awesome about to, allowing God to work in our lives. Just because, Sister Jean, it's been 30 years or however long it's been or or 40 years, amen, for the bishop of how long it's been since God saved him. Amen. There's still a beauty and there's still a wonder of knowing who God is. There's still a wonder and a beauty of knowing who he is. Hallelujah. And this scripture implies that he had formerly known what was the happiness of being a friend of God and and of having a hope of salvation but that joy had been taken from him by his sin. Amen. Sin will steal the joy out of your life. Sin will steal the happiness out of your life. Sin will steal, amen, the pure conscience out of your life. Sin will take, amen, to everything precious from your life. Amen. Sin will take from you and take from you and take from you till you've got nothing and take from you again till you begin to run a deficit. Hallelujah. And that joy had been taken from David's life. He had lost his peace of mind. He had lost, amen, that, uh, that joy of coming before the presence of God. And with a pure heart crying out to God. And allowing God to feel him. And allowing God to move in his life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's give me back that joy. Which was mine when I was conscious of thy favor. And felt that Thou wert my strength and my salvation. Amen. Give me back that joy. It is still a joyful thing to live for God. It's still the best life out there living for God. Amen. It's a life, uh, amen, free, amen, of, of all the different things that you go through without living for God. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of suicidal thoughts there's a lot of oppressive spirits there's a lot of possessive spirits amen that are uh, that are attacking those that are devoid of a life that's that's saved by grace saved, saved by god amen and living for god amen is a beautiful thing it is a wonderful thing yeah. Amen. I love living for God. I wouldn't have it any other way. Amen. I can wake up every morning. Amen. Without the guilt. uh, Without a guilty conscience. Uh, Amen. I shouldn't have done that last night. Or I shouldn't have done that yesterday. Amen. I'm dealing with the hangover from all the drinking the night before. Amen. But on the contrary. Living for God is beautiful. Living for God is wonderful. And there is a joy of being saved. There is a joy in living for God. Hallelujah, it's a few days ago, amen, I found a, I found, my mother was telling me about a particular uh, station that she listens to for her prayer music, and this station, it, it just is all piano, instrumental, and it's a lot of the old songs, Brother Miguel, that we used to hear years and years ago, being played, and I begin to think back on, on what it, on my life, and how beautiful it is, living for God. You know, you hear an old song, sister Terry, and you begin to think back. Man, I remember that era, that time in my life, when those old songs and they bring back those memories. It happens also on the contrary. You listen to ungodly music and you begin to, oh man, I feel like doing this or doing that. But if you allow that that old spirit of God to begin to work in your life, and those old songs begin to conjure up memories. I remember those altar calls. I remember those times. I remember the first time I gave my heart to God. I remember the first time I I was baptized. Uh, I remember the first time I got the Holy Ghost. And you begin to think back. It's been a long time. God's brought me a long way. God's been so good to me. God has been faithful. God has seen me through. And it's not to say that life hasn't been without its share of heartaches and trials. Amen. But living for God. There's a strength that you get living for God. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost is, is a paraclete. It's that in the Greek, the paraclete, the thing that comes alongside you and helps you to, to walk through life, to get through life, to overcome. Amen. That the things that used to trip you up in the world, they don't trip you up no more. And there's a joy in living for God. There's a joy in living for God. One song that I. That, fully, that really captures what I'm talking about was written by a sister, Rhonda Hurst, years ago. And it says, Serving God is Beautiful. How many know that song? It's an old song. Hey, Amen. It's an old song. Serving God is Beautiful. And the words to the song is many... It goes like this. Many is a time I've seen God change a life. Take a broken heart and put it back together. And when I am asked, I look down on that night. It seems that they would say with all their might, Serving God is beautiful. Serving the King of Kings. I serve Him because I love Him, you see. Serving God is beautiful to me. And as the years go by, we've seen the steady smile of those faithful saints who really love their Savior. And even after all the trials they went through with a twinkling in their eye, you hear them say, serving God is beautiful. Amen. You talk to anybody that has been living for God for any length of time and they'll tell you, yeah, I was hurt. I could have got bitter. I could have I could have left the church. I could have walked away and I could have had good right to do so. But I chose to go through it. I chose to allow God to purify me through the process. I chose to allow God to work on my character. And, and I'm here to tell you today that there's people in this church that have been hurt, probably even abused, done wrong, but they've gone through the storm and they said, God, I started out this race to live for you, to please you. I started out this race to make heaven my home. And I'm not going to allow anyone or anything to take me off of this course because you recognize at some point in your life that serving God is beautiful. Serving God is wonderful. Amen. There is no greater joy. Amen. As, as the scripture says, it's to know that my children walk in truth. Amen. It, knowing that, the, Amen, your child will grow up to live for God, Amen, will bring you a certain joy and a certain happiness in your soul. And it's still the same today that serving God is beautiful. There is a joy in being saved. There is a joy that I get every time I get back into His presence for the mic, and I allow God to fill me with His Spirit, and I allow God to renew my soul. And my soul is enraptured in prayer, and I begin to talk with God, and I begin to be, become, Amen, more like Him, and, I, and my soul is flooded with His presence and with His joy. There's a joy in being saved. There's a joy. In living for God, there's a joy in serving the Lord. It's a beautiful walk. It's a beautiful life living for God. How many believe that today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! It is a wonderful thing to live for God. I got baptized when I was 11 years of age in the city of Bakersfield. Amen. We didn't have; they didn't have heated water back then. It was freezing cold. And uh, I'll never forget it. Amen. Uh, Brother Dawson was the minister's name. He baptized me in Jesus' name as an 11-year-old boy. A few years years later, uh, I got the whole, I think it was the next year, at the age of 12, I got the Holy Ghost at a uh, Christian Life Center uh, when Brother Billy Cole was there preaching a Holy Ghost crusade. And... uh, Never forget it. Amen. I sought the Holy Ghost for a a long time, as long as a 12-year-old boy can seek the Holy Ghost. But I sought the Lord almost every night, praying, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And when God filled me with His Spirit, I didn't want to stop speaking in tongues because I didn't want to lose it. I wanted wanted to make sure I got full of the Holy Ghost and I got enough to last me a lifetime. Little did I know you got to have it every day. Amen. But I, I... I think back, and I remember as a young man going to youth camps in, I think it was Pinecrest, Camp Sylvester, and and I remember many youth camps, amen, uh, just the incredible moves of God that we had uh, as a young person. Uh, I remember one specific encounter I had at youth camp on a Friday night. Uh, It was a a year after uh, I had gotten the Holy Ghost for the first time, and it had been a year since I'd gotten the Holy Ghost, And I remember in that one particular youth camp service, uh, I was seeking God, God, I want, I need a renewal of the Holy Ghost. It's been a whole year. I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. And I remember that somebody, I don't remember who it was, they came, they laid hands on me and they prayed for me. And I fell on that concrete floor, fell back on that concrete floor, uh, just speaking in tongues. And there were young people all around me, dancing, jumping. And a few of them stepped on me, but I didn't care. I did not care. I had brand new black jeans. That was back when you wore black jeans. And uh, they were all footprints all over me. And I, I laid there in that dirty concrete floor just talking in tongues, saying, God, I don't care if I get smashed in the face. I just want to make sure I'm keeping this Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm telling you, there's something beautiful about the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't care about anything else in this world. All of your cares, all of your problems, all of your anxieties, fears begin to subside. And you begin to fixate your eyes upon him and say, God, you're the only thing that matters. God, if I get beat up in this process, God, I'm just I'm just happy to feel your presence. God, I just want to feel the Holy Ghost. I just want to have the spirit of God residing in my heart. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. There's a joy in living for God. There's been many a time. Amen. I get to the altar. Uh concluding a message that was preached and getting up from an altar and just pouring your heart out before the Lord and God fills you with the Holy Ghost you begin to speak in tongues and I felt that many a time and on several occasions as I got up from that altar speaking in tongues full of the Holy Ghost the last one to leave I left that altar and was hugging everybody's neck saying I love you I love you I love you I love you There's a joy that comes when you get the Holy Ghost. Nobody's going to say something to you and offend you. Man, God bless you. How many of you ever said that when someone gave you the bird? God bless you. Man, you cannot make me mad right now. You cannot offend me, sister. Brother, you cannot offend me. I got the joy of the Holy Ghost down in my soul. There's a joy living for God. God. There's glory that comes. Amen. There's glory that comes. Exodus chapter 14 is the story of the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrew people. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to turn there for a moment. Exodus chapter 14 tells us the story of how that God had delivered the children of Israel from the Egyptian taskmasters. Egypt was a type of the world. Egypt was a type of the old lifestyle, the old man, the old woman. Uh, Pharaoh was the type of the devil, that one that ruled their lives and dictated to them how they would live their lives. And he beat them and he worked them and there was no pleasure in sin. It was it was work. It was slavery. It was uh, it was heartache. It was pain. It was a rough life. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. It's not It's not going to be easy living for the world. It's going to be a hard life. But Exodus chapter 14 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Hirath, between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal-Zaphon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts. That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And verse number five. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and chariots over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. Amen. God had uh, used... Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of Goshen, out of that place of servitude. He used Moses to lead them out from the hand of Pharaoh. And the Bible says that as Moses led them through the wilderness, as Moses led them out from Egypt, that they faced a particular situation where they had one mountain on one side, and they had the sea in front of them, the Red Sea, and they had Pharaoh's army Pursuing them from behind and they had no other options. They had no place to go. There was no other options. There was no help for them. And it was in that moment when they had no other hopes. It was in that moment when they were between the proverbial rock and the hard place that they began to cry out to God. They began to cry out to Moses. And they begin to reach out to Moses. And the Bible says that Moses, he began, to, he began to talk to God. He began to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? The people, the people, they're crying out. They're, they're complaining. They're murmuring. And the Bible says that Moses, amen, received a word from the Lord that he was to stretch forth his rod out over the sea. And that God would, amen, take care of the situation from that point forward. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 13 that Moses said, amen, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace Amen. It will stand still. Do not fear. And you're going to watch with your very eyes the salvation of the Lord. Amen. It becomes imperative as a people that we know. Amen. When it's time to cry out to God. And when it's time to bring our petition and bring our knees before Him. And we begin to say, God, you've got to save me. God, you've got to help me. God, if you don't show up in my life today, I'm a lost cause. God, I can't make it without you. I've got no other options. And I want to tell you that there's many times that God will lead you to a point in your life when there's nothing else you can do. God will lead you to a point in your life when there's nothing else you can do but call out to Him. When God begins to strip away all the other options and He strips away all the alternatives and says, now what are you going to do? And it becomes imperative that in that moment of your life that you begin to reach out to Him and you begin to say, God, save me. God, help me. And the word of the Lord today is fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When you reach out to God, amen, fear has got to leave. Amen, fear has got to depart. Fear has got to go. And there is a certain solitude that God will bring to the soul that reaches out to Him. And God will bring about a salvation in your life. Amen. That you can visibly see with your eyes. Amen. When God saved my mother and my father. Amen. The people around them that knew them could tell there's a distinct difference in their lives. And when you come to God. Amen. Your countenance will begin to change. The way that you dress will begin to change. The way that you decorate your body will begin to change. The way that you carry yourself, the way that you speak will begin to change. And all of the different visible outward manifestations of the heart begin to, amen, shine forth in your life. And the world around you begins to see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. God wants to bring about a salvation to your family and to your life and to this church. Amen. There's a work that God will wrought in this place today. Hallelujah! It will be visible. There will be a visible manifestation of the salvation of God. There will be a visible manifestation of His salvation. And when you cry out to God, God brings salvation. And just like God brought that salvation to the people of God in Exodus chapter 14, God will still do it today. It doesn't matter what your background is in life. It doesn't matter what your family tree or family heritage looks like. It doesn't matter how much money or money you don't have in the bank. It doesn't matter what walk of life, what skin color, what what tongue, what nationality. It doesn't matter anything. All that matters is you reach out to Him. And the Bible says the soul that seeks Him is the soul that will find Him. Amen. Only the hungry get fed in God's house. If you're not hungry, then there's no food on the table. But if you come and you say, God, I'm hungry. God, I want something from you. Then I'm going to tell you that God has a table spread. And God's laying out a plan of salvation. And God is preparing a way for you to be saved. God will deliver you from the things that enslaved you. Just like God delivered the people of God in Exodus 14. God delivered them from that old lifestyle, that old lifestyle of sin, that old taskmaster of Pharaoh. God delivered them from slavery and God will deliver you and I. There's a deliverance, there's a salvation that God has for the people that reach out to Him. But I want to tell you that there's another step that is involved in the process. Amen. Once God brought them out from slavery, once God delivered them, there came a point when they, when God began to prepare a way uh, through the Red Sea and it was, it became the responsibility with uh, landed upon the shoulders of the people of God that it was now their opportunity, it was now their responsibility, it was now their job to walk Through that Red Sea to go through the waters of baptism as one scripture declares it and makes the parallel. There was a point in which the people had to, now they had to step forward of their own volition, of their own ability. And say I'm going to leave behind the old world, I'm going to leave behind the old man and the old woman. I'm going to leave it all behind, I'm going to walk away from it. And I'm never going to look back. I'm never going to look back. I'm never going to look back, but I'm only going to go forward in God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Salvation involves forward progress. It involves forward progress. The only time we are to look back according to the Scriptures is when we're to build a landmark or a monument, and to say, I want to remember how God delivered me. I want to remember how God delivered me. I want to remember how God delivered me. Not, I want to look back as Lot's wife and remember all the wonderful times we had there in Sodom and that sick, sick world. But to look at a landmark, a monument. And see, that was a moment in my life when God began to give me the oil of joy for mourning. God began to turn my mourning into dancing. God began to turn my life around. God began to move in my life. And there comes that point when you've got to walk away and never look back. And the joy of salvation is seen in Exodus chapter 15. After that, God had... Uh, brought them through the Red Sea. God had delivered them from Egypt and Pharaoh's army was now at the bottom of the Red Sea and the memory of them was, uh, was long, long gone. And God delivered them. Exodus chapter 15 says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation he is my god and i will prepare him and habitation my father's god and i will exalt him amen it brought about a new sense of joy and happiness and it put the song back in their lips amen the devil may have messed you up with the life of sin and may have taken the joy they have taken the song out from your lips from your soul but when God begins to work when you begin to exit the altar you begin to exit the house of God after having an encounter with God you can leave with a song in your lips and you can begin to sing a new It's a song of praise. It's a song of joy. It's not a song of sorrow. Hallelujah. It's not a song of sorrow. It's a song of joy. It's a song of joy. It's not the will of God that we sing songs of sorrow. Because the people of God are to live in victory, are to be overcomers. It's not to say that you're encountering difficult situations, you're outside the will of God. But it's that through it all. There's a song in my lips. There's a song in my lips. Amen. One of my first jobs outside of high school, um, I would work at the Office Depot warehouse here down the road. in Tracy, it's not there anymore, no I don't believe. It was a big distribution center, a big warehouse. And uh, I was, uh, one of the jobs I had was I was driving the forklift. And, you know, it's a big warehouse. You're driving all over that warehouse, picking up pallets, moving things around. Um, and because it's a big open floor and you're not going to bother anybody, I would drive around a lot of times just singing. <laughs> People are like, man, this guy's kind of interesting. I would just drive around that forklift, drive that forklift around the warehouse just singing Sometimes at the top of my lungs because there's so much noise in the warehouse no one can hear anyways. And I would be singing and singing and worshiping the Lord. And, uh, and I love I loved to sing. Amen. I love to sing until I uh, started dating my wife. She said, you know what? Stop singing, please. <laughs> and I would tease her. You can't steal my praise, Sister Shannon. You can't steal my praise. But I love to sing. I love to worship the Lord. And whether you can sing or not, there should still be a song in your lips. There should be a song in your lips. And it's a joy that accompanies salvation. Amen. God wants to put a song in your lips. That you go through your day with a song of praise on your lips. And you're worshiping the Lord. And there's a smile on your face. Because, you know what? I got something. as, As one songwriter said, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. This joy that I have, this joy that I have, the world did not give it and the world can't take it away. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to love on him. But Moses, following the deliverance from Egypt through the Red Sea, the Bible says that Moses and all the children of Israel sang a song unto the Lord. How beautiful is it to hear the people of God singing in unison the same song, worshiping the Lord. We did it, I believe, on Wednesday night. The musicians stopped. And for a moment, we lifted up our voice. And that's beautiful. When the people of God can begin to worship Him in song. And it's a joy that accompanies salvation. The celebratory atmosphere did not stop with Moses and the entire children of Israel singing that song after God had delivered them. But in verse number 20 of chapter 15, it says, And Miriam the prophetess the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. Amen, that's a tambourine. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for He hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath He thrown into the sea. The thing that haunted them, the thing that uh, was coming after them to destroy them, God had destroyed that thing that was trying to destroy them when they called out to Him. And that gave them a song on their lips. That gave them a reason to rejoice yeah. because God had delivered them. I want to tell you today, it's still okay to look back and say, I'm thankful for what God did for me some 20 years ago. I'm thankful that God picked me up out of the I'm thankful to God that he picked me up and he set my feet on solid ground. Hallelujah, I'm thankful for the pause of what God did for me when I was shaking deep in sin. And I'm thankful that he had mercy upon me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, can we worship him all across this house this morning to give praise hallelujah 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 i love you lord i love you lord thank you lord for the holy ghost thank you lord for the holy ghost hallelujah 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 hallelujah. miriam amen realize it is there's a moment when we've got to worship him we've got to praise him We've got to give thanks. We've got to exalt Him because of what He's done in my life. Because of what He's done. Amen. if there's no other reason. Amen. Look back on all the things that God has done. Look back on how God had mercy. On how God brought you through. And that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason to praise Him. That's a reason to lift Him up. And to magnify Him. Come on, let's lift our voices and worship Him. Come on, shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Thank you, Lord, for lifting me up of sin, for the joy of Thy salvation. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There was a point in my life where I thought, God, if You don't do something now, I'm going to be lost forever. Amen. I still remember that night. Amen. As I cried out to God. Amen. As I was there working in in, the, in that hotel room. And I was saying, God, if You don't do something today, God, if You don't help me, God, I'm going to be lost. I need a Savior. I need a lifeline thrown my way. And God began to answer my prayer. God began to intervene in my life. And God began to throw a lifeline, amen, my way. And God began to pull me out. God began to lift me up. And God began to keep me from falling deeper. And God saved me. And God delivered me. And I'll never forget it as long as I live when I cried out to Him. And He heard my cry. And he brought back the joy. He brought back the glory. He brought back the beauty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Is there anybody that's thankful today in this house for what God has done? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship the Lord. We worship the Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's a beauty. There's a joy. There's a glory in being saved. There's a glory in living for God and serving Him. Hallelujah. As they said, as we read, as we read a moment ago, I serve Him because I love Him. Amen. You see, Amen. see, one day, Brother Nahi, nee, I fell in love with Jesus. One day, Sister Nahi, I got it for myself. And I said, God, no longer are you my parents, God. You're mine. And I'm making a choice. I'm going to live for you, God.
1: And I'm going to give you all
0: that I have. I want you to use me, God. I want to to have a part in the kingdom of God. God, my parents have displayed Christianity all my life. I've seen it, God. I've seen them pray. I've seen them read their Bible. I've seen them... Uh, I've heard them talk to me about living for God. And I've heard preaching after preaching. I've heard song after song. But the day came when I said, I've got to be saved for myself. To every young person in this house today, you've got to get to a point where you say, God, this is going to be for me. This is going to be for me. I've got to have the hand of God upon my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But it's to the humble. It's to the meek. Psalms 149 and 4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He will beautify the meek with salvation. To the soul that comes humbly before His presence, on bending knee oftentimes, and a hand uplifted humble, meek, broken. God, help me. The world tells me I've got to pave my own trail. I've got to blaze my own path. The world tells me that I need to be a self-made man. I need to do it myself. But I'm going to reject the world philosophy and I'm going to embrace humility. I'm going to embrace meekness and I'm going to say, God, I need you. I need you. I cannot make it without you. And there is a beautification that happens for the soul that reaches out to God. I've seen God do it over and over again. Bring the beauty back to people's lives. The glory of God. It takes a meek and a humble heart to cry out to Him to receive the beauty of salvation. Yes. If we could stand to our feet and the musicians could come. Psalms chapter 84 says, A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a gate, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The valley of one moment in God's house. Far outweighs a lifetime of sin. You can spend all your life chasing vain (laughs) pursuits. I did not say wrong pursuits, but vain pursuits. You say, well, what I'm doing is not sin, but some of it is vanity. Some of it holds no eternal weight, no eternal value. And I want to remind you today that there's something of an eternal nature. That holds more value. Because one day, one moment in the house of God, one moment in this place could change your life forever. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I conclude with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 3 how shall we escape if we neglect everybody say neglect if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him and Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 3 tells us that neglect neglect is enough to ruin a man A man who is in business need not commit forgery or robbery to ruin himself. He has only to neglect his business and his ruin is certain. A man who is lying on a bed of sickness need not cut his throat to destroy himself. He has only to neglect the means of restoration and he'll be ruined. A man floating in a raft above Niagara Falls need not move an oar or make an effort to destroy himself. He has only to neglect using the oar at the proper time, and he will certainly be carried over to his death. Most of the calamities of life are caused by simple neglect, by neglect of education. Children grow up in ignorance. By neglect, a farm grows up to weeds and briars. By neglect, a house goes to decay. By neglect of sowing, a man will have no harvest. By neglect of reaping, the harvest would rot in the fields. No worldly interest can prosper where there is neglect. How shall we escape? If we neglect. To the house boarded up on the corner. It didn't start that way because they decided to burn the house down and beat it up. It started because they neglected its care. You say, Well, I'm already I've already been to the water, I've already been baptized, all that good stuff. But we've got to take care. We've got to take care of our soul salvation. We've got to make sure, brother Mike, that we're not neglecting it. We've got to make sure, God, you fill me with the Holy Ghost. I got baptized. I'm living right. I'm repentant. I'm going to take care of my soul today. You don't not shower today because you showered two weeks ago. You don't not brush your teeth today because you brushed it 3 days ago. That would be neglect. And that'd be a certain dentist bill. But every day you say, "You know, what? I got to brush my teeth. I got to take a shower, I stink. I got to iron my clothes. I got to take care of. It. I got to do the laundry. I got to vacuum." Today is another day. God. I got to take care of my soul. I got to be filled up again. God, I've got to have your spirit in my life. I I cannot neglect it. I cannot neglect it. I've got to make sure, God, that I'm taking care of my soul. Every single day that I live, God. Every single day that I live. Every single day. No one's going to walk out of here today and curse the preacher and curse this building. But there may be some that walk out and say, well... I'll take care of that later. The definition of neglect. I'll do it later. I'll take care of it later. I'll take care of it later. I'd like for us to just close our eyes and I want us to lift our hands and I want us to allow God to speak to us here this morning. I want us to be begin to call out to God. God, we need you today. Come on, you've got to lift your voice, people. You've got to lift your voice. Jesus, I cannot neglect so great a salvation. God, I've got to tend to my soul's salvation every day, God. Yes, Lord. God, I've got to tend to it, God. I've got to make sure that my cup is full and run it over, God. God, that we do not become like the five foolish virgins that they neglected the care of the vessel that they carried, God, but help us to make sure, God, that we're taking. Hallelujah. why don't you take your neighbor by the hand and why don't you pray over your neighbor where you are today come on let's speak up with the person next to us and let's begin to pray God I'm asking you to help my brother help my sister today Lord renew the joy restore the joy of thy salvation God I pray you to help them to tend to the care of their soul today our soul God, God. Yeah. i